Welcome to Let's Talk with Shea Marville. Shea is an internationally certified yoga and meditation teacher, a corporate wellness pioneer and founder of the Limitless School of Human Relations. Let's Talk is a podcast about better human relations, growth, connection and hope through conversations and compassion. Hey Shea, let's talk. Thank you, JC. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Let's Talk. On today's episode, I have a very special guest. It is my privilege and my honor to speak to Matt Thorpe. He is a conflict resolution coach and mediator. He went, in his own words, from the ditch to Harvard University. He has survived prison, drug overdose, childhood abuse, and now has dedicated his life to service and being authentic and keeping it real. Matt, welcome to Let's Talk. So let's talk, brother. Yeah, good stuff. Well, you know what? I'm not willing to risk my authenticity for someone to like me, so I really don't give a shit. You know what I mean? (laughs) I've got to a place in my life where I know a few things. Some days I'm as dumb as a boot, and... And other days, I'm sharp as a tack. But you know what? I just think there's something about living real. And and you know what? And that's easy to say. Mm -hmm. It's easy to say, oh, I'm being real. Can I be real with you? Yeah, okay. But you know what? I just think there's layers to realness that you got to get under. Yes. Before the real you starts starts to evolve and to show up. Mm. I always thought that transformation was about learning. It's about unlearning. It's unlearning. What does that mean? What does that mean? Unlearning. I came into the world thinking that, and I was conditioned and programmed that the world works in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And the people that are in it, well, I've realized that most people are full of shit anyway. (laughs) And that's okay. Because I think you got to, you know, you got to hit the ditch first and roll around that for a while and create your worlds around that until one day you kind of wake up and think, you know, maybe, maybe there's something different out there, Mm -hmm. but it's not about out there. It's Mm -hmm. about in here. I've been on this journey for over three decades, over 30 years, man. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, I believe that every human being has their day has a moment in time where something tweaks, something happens to you where it's an opportunity to really look at an inquiry into really, who am I? Who am I? Why do I do what I do? And why does it matter? You know? And so August the 18th of 1988 was my day. Mm. And I had lots of days. What happened on that day? I died of an overdose of cocaine because I wanted out. I wanted someone just to fucking shoot me. Just, just, just put me out of my misery. But they brought me back to life. And I remember the pain and the suffering and the conversations between my two ears, which was like being in a bad neighborhood most mm-hmm. days. <laughs> um, it, it, it just like, I didn't know what to do with myself. Mm-hmm. But I thought about this before I I got on the call. Here's one thing that I know. 
I went as far back in my healing shay as being back in my mother's womb. Mm. And I know by the environment that my mother was pregnant with, with me in. Yeah. She transferred that to me. Her I came suffering, into, her I suffering. I came into the world petrified. Oh. I came into the world already traumatized. I stuttered for 25 years of my life. I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. Not many people do. I did not know that. Because my nervous system was so traumatized by my environment that it affected me in that way. Mm. <laughs> and then, you know, growing up with a father that was an alcoholic and that was a, just a tyrant and that was a control freak and it was abusive. And, you know, I'm the oldest of eight kids. My dad had two families. There's six boys in my first family. And then my, I have another brother and sister. So there's eight of us, but I grew up with my six, my five brothers. And from zero to 14, mm -hmm. it was pretty mm -hmm. chaotic. I was also thinking, too, on my walk this morning, I remember in junior high, walking home with two of my friends, Barry and Jim. Barry was tall. He had long hair like Led Zeppelin. And Jim was the next size down. He had long, straight hair, good-looking guy. And there was me with brush-cut hair and big ears. <laughs> I didn't even like my own shadow. Like, 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 I didn't like my own shadow. That's why I love cloudy days. So I didn't have to see myself on the road, you know, and then throw in all the violence and throw in the sexual abuse and the mental bullshit and the, the, you know, the emotional, you know, I'll give you something to cry about, you know, kids are supposed to be seen and not heard. Like those were the messages. Yeah. And this is where, you know, fast forward to 28. Yeah. On that, on that day, I had no idea what I had to unpack to get to a place of true authenticity, to true integrity, to, to, to just be real in the world, at least in my own world anyway, because I could bullshit everybody else's world. Sure. And so at 14, my mother left. She walked mm -hmm. into My youngest brother was four. I took mm -hmm. care of my family. And I know you've reconnected with your mom. You guys oh, have yeah, a deep, mom, you guys have a deep, uh, relationship. Yeah, yeah, she's the bomb. She's a rock star. And I had to understand. Yeah. Or I had, I, I, I had to, I had to really get where my mother came from. Mm -hmm. So on that, on the start of that journey, there were a lot of things that I had to do for myself, but there are also things I had to do for the people around my world that mattered to me. And my mother was one of them. My father was still alive when, when this all happened. He drank himself to death in 2001. But um, I, I had people show up in my life that literally held me by the hand when I let them, mm -hmm. who guided me. And there was nothing ever suggested to me to do. I was told what to do. Hmm. I was told what to do. And so, so I took 10 years. It took me 10 years to get to a place of absolute comfort mm -hmm. in my own skin 
to find a to find some peace of mind between my two ears to kind of get to the place of nothingness where I could I could start you know redefining and redesigning what my world was to be like and I still didn't have a clue I was in the construction business I was I had 30 men working for me in the roofing business right in the throes of my addictions right and and was it so what was it after the coming back from the overdose well what helped you to come come forward into well it it wasn't even at that moment like i I, it wasn't then it wasn't the day i wasn't the next month like Mm -hmm. i remember like it was still like three to five years of just absolute turmoil and conflict Mm -hmm. with myself and so so I think after the 10th year, I would say after, after the 10th year, I really started to understand the conditioning and the programming that I was given. Like I was given this stuff. I didn't ask for it. Yeah. I was given it. And that's when I started taking it apart, which takes me to one really, like I've been asked, I've literally worked with thousands of people today. Yeah. When I'm yeah. 62 years old, you know, and 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 I've and I get asked something. Well, how do you how did you get to do what you're doing? And you know what? It's a great question because I never planned this. I no, I know, I know, I know. I mean, I I, I remember you um, putting a message out on Facebook. This is a, a number of years ago, and you were on your way to Harvard. Yeah, you know, to to uh, do your second year in this. Yeah, program. right there, my advanced course, right there. I got 2003 and then 2017. And, and you were like, I'm, if, if you had told me I was going to do this, you know, 30 years ago, I would have said, no, I don't think so. I tell people I went from the ditch to Harvard Law School. Not bad for an old drunk. You know what I mean? <laughs> but the thing is, too, Shay, is that I, during those 10 years, actually the first five years, I did a lot of volunteer work. I was told by the people that were supporting me to they'd send me downtown to the detox or the men's hostel on St. George Street or or to a to a a school or but I also found a place that I could help back in the prison system where I was a con. And I still can't believe it to this day that they allowed me to go in. And I'm telling you, I loved it. I'd go I'd I'd be working my roofing business all day from like four in the morning till six o'clock at night. I'd get home and my head would start to spin and I'm thinking, I got to get out of here. So I'd go down to the joint, get my little tag off the board, walk down to the range. Back then you could smoke inside and drink coffee. And, and I'd go, I'd go yell in the range. Hey, who wants to go on and have a chat? And three or four guys would come in and we just sit and talk for two or three hours. And here's the thing that happened to me during that time. I wasn't thinking about my own problems. Yeah. This is why service work for me is just so important. Volunteerism work is it keeps you out of your head. Mm. In 1992, I went out to Vancouver to start a roofing business with a guy in February of 92. Six months later, I came into work and he was gone. He was, he did a midnight move and he left and I was broke. I was broke in Vancouver. I went make, make went, went from making 60, 70,000 bucks a week with my men to zero to a welfare line. The same line that I judged my entire family for being on. And there mm-hmm. I was on it. Fast forward to the end of 93 and I was still volunteering my time a lot in a federal prison on Vancouver Island. And in 93, the federal government tracked me down in Victoria, BC. And the guy who found me was my, is my best friend today <clears throat> and offered me a contract, a three-year contract at a federal prison where I have Brazilian inmates. 
And I said, you're fucking crazy. Don't even call me again. And I hung up the phone and he called me back. And here's what he said to me. We've heard your story and we need you. Mm. It was, that was the, that was the gateway to everything that I had done that was behind me now. Cause this was clear. I've always said the future in my world means nothing. The future is just a word, but what about the possibility that if there is a future, it's all linked to the past. You shift that this shifts right away. Wow. It's just the way it is. You clean the past up, your future, because you know what? Our future is already happening anyway. It's already, it's already manifesting. Hmm. It's already happening right now as I'm talking to you. Yeah, totally. It's happening in this moment. So I worked in prisons all over the country. I was well known in the business. Yeah. And then I got into the world of conflict. And this is the nugget. I started taking the world of conflict apart. And I realized that in conflict, there are teachings in that. There's learnings in that about yourself. Conflict is about those underlying stories that are not heard or understood by the other person in the conflict. Mm -hmm. So if I got a conflict with you, I really think it's about you. Mm -hmm. But it's just showing up through you. It's my conflict. Yes. It's mine, it's yours. So I have to, I have to. So, so what is it about me that's showing up through you that's causing me this beef? And this is what makes me crazy when I think of government and organizations, conflict. You know what? In the last two years, I've been a vendor of the Ontario government for years. And I'm telling you, they've been investigating, investigating, and it just makes me want to scream. Because my thing is, let's get people together to talk about that, that issue. It's the same yes. as addictions. I just want to choke somebody out and say, so you know what, we, we know what addicts are. They want to have a war on drugs. You don't have a war on drugs. You know what's going on in the world today, Shay? We are all disconnected in yeah. here. We're disconnected. Yeah. We're broken. I remember an elder telling yes. me, I forget this story. This old Indian, he said to me, he said, your world is like a pipe and a pipe is a, is a piece of wood and a rock. Okay. But when you put it together, it becomes alive. You mm -hmm. have to learn to be connected and become alive. And I thought, wow, okay. Because I, I, I could do it, but it was just like it was too uncomfortable, so I'd break it again. And I, I always, it was like connected, disconnected, disconnected, connected, until, until eventually I could, I could do this. I can do mm. that wow, I haven't been thinking crazy shit for a while. I don't think of robbing somebody or being unkind to somebody or being generous. It's just like, I got comfortable. I got mm. comfortable. And even through this COVID crap, you know, when people are, I hear, hear the stories, the news every day, people are being abusive and, and, and more alcohol and drug abuse. Okay. Yeah. I just think we're, we're talking about, we seem to always be talking around the issues as opposed to talking to it. Yes. Why do, you think that is, why do you think that is? Like, why can't we sit uh, with the conflict and be in, be with the people we're in conflict with and we're sit afraid. through it? We're terrified. Because we're afraid. You know, one thing we don't talk about enough, and I'm telling you, Shay, it is, it, it's, the, it, it's, 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 it's the core of my stress session. At the end of the day, what's stopping us from showing up from being real, from really, from really creating what we want is fear. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. 
We just, oh, it's, oh I'm good. Oh, I'm, I'm good. No, it's okay. Bullshit. Bullshit. Talk to me. What do you think people, what do you think the fear is about? I mean, it's different for everyone, but what is, what is it that you see? Their vulnerability, man. They don't want to be vulnerable. They think vulnerable. And I, I, I relate to it. Vulnerability was a scary thing for years and years of my life. Cause you're going to take something from me. Right. You're going to take something. You're going to see me. Mm-hmm. And if you see me, you're not going to like me. You're going to judge me. The same thing about this racism stuff. Like it just makes me want to scream. Look at racism isn't out there. It's in each one of us. I've been racist and I've been a victim of it. Okay. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's just, we go on and on and we keep things spinning round in circles. You know what? I, I've come to believe it's just a great big game hmm. and I'm not playing. If there's one thing about being in this world, I mean, of integrity and authenticity, it's pretty damn lonely. Yes. It's yes. pretty damn lonely, Shay. You know? I think of so many people right now. I mean, I, I mean, they just, loneliness is a, is an, is, is a pandemic. Yeah. Loneliness. And it's, and, and been I, there. it's always been there. That's oh, right. Like, and, and because, because we couldn't talk about it before. Yeah. We are forced to talk about it now, but we're still not talking about it. It's just like mental health. Exactly. We, we talk about mental health, but we don't actually, um, little pieces that need to be to one another in a real way. Totally. Right? You know, I, I, what, what? I've had the opportunity to work in addictions for, I don't know, 25 years. I ran a healing lodge on the east side of Vancouver. I used to have 26 mm-hmm. and they live in my house. You know what I mean? So I, I, I get this world. There's some things I know about. I know about this. I, I know about this. Hmm. And I'm not, you know, and here's the other thing that I think we need to shift in our cultures is language. We need, hmm. I always say, you shift the language, you will shift the culture. We got to stop saying we understand. We got to stop saying I know. You know, we got to stop those things because you don't know. You don't understand when I'm talking to people in a session. They go, oh, I, I know. I look at, really? Will you shut up? You don't know. It's just a fill in word, it's a way of deflecting. Or I, 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 oh, I understand. I can see it in addictions all the time. Oh, I understand. And then one day, about 10 years ago, I said, you know what? Tell me how you understand me. Tell me. There was a guy in North Bay. I'll never forget it. And he sat there stunned. I said, you don't understand. Stop saying it. Stop it. Hmm. Just listen. If we spent more time, more time listening and at the end of the conversation, just say, I hear you. You know how many people over the years have said, and it makes me emotional to think to myself, and I think about these people, that after a, a facilitation, they'll come up and say, you know what? You're the first person that's ever heard me, and I really get you heard me. Mm. You know how much you can move somebody through their stuff by just listening? That's it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not complicated anymore. Do you think that's one of the challenges, like with with the government and different um, indigenous groups across our country? Where I mean, there's many issues, but 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 one of them is just this inability to listen without judgment. Absolutely, to listen without saying anything. Just don't say anything. Don't tell me you understand Indian stuff. I don't understand. You don't understand Indian stuff more than I understand black stuff. But I know a lot of black people. I grew up with them. 
you know, and I'll never forget that I did a session at a jail in Toronto a few years back. It was with this it was senior government or this in, in this institution. At the end of three or four days of really hard work, I went around. I'm 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 a huggy kind of guy. I go up and hug everybody. And and there was this one woman who was Muslim. And I went up to her and she said, well, like this. She shook my hand and I thought, okay. It's the first time someone didn't hug me. But I just had to embrace that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, mm-hmm. That wasn't her thing. And there's yeah. been many yeah. of those things. Yeah, it, it, actually the first thing was like, hey, come on, hug me. But I just thought, no. I put up my hand and she, she had the biggest smile ever. But she just wasn't yeah. hugging anybody. So no, the, it's not her culture. Yeah, 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 totally. And you know what? It was it was okay. I didn't mm. judge her or criticize her or like, what's up with you? You know, I just said, yeah. And that was a big lesson for me. Big lesson. How do you keep incorporating what you learn and absorb uh, observe in in your teaching? Like, how do you, how do you keep evolving at it and pushing it forward? So that's a good question. And I'm going to tell you something that I think anybody that's in the people business needs to master. And they mm. need to master this. Is detachment. Mm. You have to master it. Because if you don't, this work will eat you alive. One of my teachers, Dr. Joe Couture, who has passed on now, him and I did prison work in the belly of some really tough places. I'll never forget him telling me in 1994 when I met him, and I'll never, I've, I've shared in my work, when you're in the job of service, you want to make sure you're doing your own work because this stuff will eat you alive. People ask me all the time, how do you keep this? Like, well, I'm off to Vancouver tomorrow. I'm off to Victoria this week. You know, I'm, I'm, I've got lots going on. And and, and people ask, mm-hmm. how do you keep this, this schedule? How do you keep working with people day after day? I say, you know what? I'm not attached to people's stuff, man. At mm-hmm. all. At all. Like nothing. Oh, yeah. That, and I learned, I learned that through, 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 through treatment. Oh, yeah. That's like, so interesting. That's totally. so interesting. These bleeding hearts that are out there saving the world, they couldn't save their own ass, Shay. I'm telling you, I've worked with social workers. They're just annoying to me. They're annoying. <laughs> and I get to tell them, you know what? You're just pissing me off. Like, you know, nice people, I run for the hills. I run for the hills because I know they're not being authentic. And I know if they're, when they're being nice, it's about them, not about the people they're serving. Absolutely. Oh, totally. What, why that is? Like, you know, like that's, you know, a lot. there's a lot of criticism of the woke the woke people, right, who are trying to be of service, trying to be of service. What do you think they're trying to do? Um, I, I don't know what that is. Like, what, what is that? No, you know, the woke people are all the people who are trying to do the politically right thing. Well, I think they keep it safe for themselves. They don't hit the button, man. They don't do the tough stuff. I listen to it every day. And you know, mm. what, I, what I call them woke people, you know what? I think if you took away the story of why they do this stuff, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. They wouldn't be doing it. They just would mm. not be doing it. Because I tell mm. you, working with people, at least in my field, is hard work. I've, I do tough work. 
I always thought that healing was in, was in the answers. It's in the questions. Hmm. I can get a pulse on people. Like I can dial into somebody immediately, but I don't right away because I let them keep sharing. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden someone will come and say, has this ever happened? And they'll look at you like a deer in the head, like say, yeah, let's talk about that. And let me let's, share, let's, let me share a story how, how, how I relate to that. Let, let's talk about that for a second. The, in, it's in the questions. Oh yeah. <clears throat> what, how, what, what does that look like for you? Well, what are the questions? It doesn't look like anything. It's just, it, it's about sitting with somebody. And when you come into a situation and you're totally present with nothing yeah. running in the background, like nothing's mm -hmm. in the way, you can intuitively dial into somebody. Like there's yeah. people that I can channel into from across the country. And that's why this whole Zoom experience, like I've, I've had tons of opportunities for mediation work. And also I said, no, I'm not doing it because it's by Zoom. I had no way, not because it, it's too risky for me. And people will hide behind the screen. I'm not interested. Right. Oh, they hide behind. It. Oh, totally. People are hiding anyway. So this is just, a, this is a good thing for people that love to hide. Oh my God. Mm. I don't even do it. Not even do it. I got a call yesterday from a colleague I'm going to see on Friday in Victoria. She's got a big <clears throat> Saskatchewan with a Native organization. She's non-Native. And she asked me to come into it. And I said, yeah. I, so we talked about it for about an hour on the phone. And we got a call on Friday. And here's the main objective for my call with her on Friday with this new client in Saskatchewan is to get to the community. Because they're talking mm -hmm. about doing it virtually. Not happening. Yeah. Not going to happen. No way. Yeah. Never, never. I probably lost 50 grand worth of work because of that. And I don't care. In interesting. <clears throat> and why is it so important to be physically present oh, for the work that you like? Why is that so important? Because, be be because of that connection piece. Because mm. I, can, I can sit with you. You can sit with me. We got nothing in the way. It's safe. Mm. The place, the space is safe for you to talk about those unsafe things if you need to. I mean, like maybe not out of the gate, but eventually it's about connection, man. It's about, mm. it's about feeling you. It's about kind of getting you and also mm. sharing my relatedness all along the way. Yeah. All along the way. Do, do you think I that, do, do you think it's harder for men um, to share their pain? Yep. Um, yep. Ninety percent of my work shares with women. Ninety percent. Ninety percent of your work is Absolutely. with women. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because they're willing. They're willing to show up, and it's harder for men. Totally. Ninety percent. Interesting. You look at my Facebook page, my friends. I, I bet you eighty percent of them are women. Other mm. than the guys I ride bike with. I'm telling. Yeah. Us guys were, and one of the reasons why I think it's harder now hmm. is that women don't need men like they used to. And it's bringing hmm. a lot of insecurities up and we're not talking about it, man. We're just sitting back thinking, look at me, you know, and, you know, who's running the show? Well, you go into native communities. Who, who runs 90% of the community is women. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Women don't need men and hallelujah for them, man. Like, you go, girl. You know, but what happens to the men? 
what what's happening with the men if if they can't if they can't tell the truth about how they feel you got your work cut out for you you got to find a way you got to find a way mm. to allow them to show up and to be vulnerable it's vulnerability mm. and i'm telling you it's scary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a world of betrayal like you know, I've had lots of betrayal done to me when I was just a young guy. Like my dad called my dad with my wife. My brother got my wife pregnant and blah. Like when you got all those experiences that happen, <laughs> you kind of come to the party half numb. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and you know, I had to learn to work that out. You know? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I was right. Yeah, totally. That's why I said there's not many things that someone can tell me and say, yeah, i got a story attached to that. Oh, absolutely. There's, you know, even I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. This just happened in the last six months through this COVID experience. Because mm. I go for a 6.5K walk every day around Netherby Road, down to the Niagara Parkway, along the river, up to a bench where I have a rest, do some, do some pose, say a little prayer, and then walk back up Switch Road. <clears throat> last six months, this is, this is the breakthrough that I've had. And it's, it's the residue from my sexual abuse at 9, 11, and 12. <clears throat> Here's the short version of it. Because of my condition on that, when sex was gone, I was gone. Hmm. Period. In the relationship I have now, somehow I have been able to acknowledge and appreciate and explore other areas of relationship that has kept me totally engaged and totally committed, totally committed. Hmm. So this is the one time where, where somehow I've kind of hung in there, you know, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. and I appreciate, and I, I honor my partner and I, I, I know the goodness she has. Hmm. And that's been a huge breakthrough. So what's the point of my story? When people come from sexual abuse, man, believe me, there is layers of shit. I just mm-hmm. don't know the last six months, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 30 years. It just, and it was just the time alone and being by myself and going on my walks and thinking, all of a sudden it was like, holy crap, that's why all those relationships broke down. Because right. this was gone, I was gone. Yes. Like, I'm just so free from this now. And it's just another piece of this kind of healing that I have in my toolbox. Yeah. And I've had conversations with men in my basement. I've had some sharing circles in the last two weeks with guys that I know. And we've mm-hmm. I've heard this story and they think, fuck, man, really? I got the same thing going on right now. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Like, that's been the, the biggest breakthrough. Another one. Do, do you think one of your gifts... Uh, as a coach and trainer is um, to be really present with, with painful, painful things. Totally. totally. I have, and it's funny you said, I thought about this as I was brushing my teeth. <laughs> I, I have been, and I'm not afraid of stuff. I'm not afraid of emotion. No. I'm not afraid of the questions I've been asked. I'm not afraid of it. Whatever pukes out after that, bring it on. I've had people puke on me, get mad, storm out the door, throw things. It's like, okay. When you're done, come on back. Oh, I could tell you thousands of stories. And I'm telling you, mm. absolutely. Totally, I'm not afraid of it. I can be with it. 
Did you forgive your father before he died? Yep, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. I still miss my dad. My dad. How did you? How did? How did it? How did you come to terms with? I mean, just also the the kind of human he was with you, with his aggression and. You were nasty. So let me share with you, which is a really good question, because this is this is what people need to do in all the work they do with me. There's a point in the work where they have to go sit with somebody that matters to them. Mm. I'm going to give you the short version and the gold nugget of how to do this. Make it about yourself and not about them. There's the key. Interesting. When I had sat with my, I knew my father couldn't handle it if I blamed him, but I said, dad, I got to share with you. There's some things that have affected me from growing up with you that I need to share with you. They've really affected me and I want you to help me out. Like I, I can bubble up right now because I could still see his face, but I never blamed him. And that's the part that misses, that people are missing when, when they have to go and clean up some mess is they don't know how to do it. Mm. Do it. Same as in the workplace. Well, I, 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 I tell my staff to go sort it yourselves. You do, eh? That is the stupidest thing you could do. You don't know how to do it. But you know what? When something is hard, whether with your family, your husband, your kids, your boss, your whoever it is, when you need to have a tough conversation, any conversation, make it about yourself. Can I share with you how that tone affected me? Can I share with you how you slamming that door kind of brought back some memories for me? Can I share that with you? Hmm. Instead of saying, you know what? Why do you keep making me feel bad? Like that is such a dumb conversation. You, you, you. That is, I don't even use that. I don't even know that vocabulary anymore. Because they become defensive and then it's oh, defending, yeah. defending it. And that's where the conflict stays alive. Right. They keep it alive. How, how did he respond? My dad loved me. My dad was jealous of me. He was proud of me. And he got for the first time, he said, son, I'm proud of you. Hmm. I always wanted to hear certain things from my parents. The one thing was from my dad, I'm proud of you. And from my mother was, thank you for staying with the boys when I left. And apparently my mother told me that for years. I just didn't hear her because she was like, I hated my mother. Yeah. My brother played a role. I was 14 years old, man. You know? Yes. Yes. Wow. And what about, what about your grandparents and Uh, elders? I'm sitting here. My grandparents love me. Mm. Absolutely. It was the safest place for me to be on the planet back when I was a little boy, when I could go to my grandparents' house. And I would get my brothers in shit so they didn't come with me. <laughs> I set them up all week because I wanted to go alone. Remember, I'm, first, I got a brother nine months younger than I am. Nine months, a year, a year, a year, and a year. Wow. So what did I starve for in, in my young life, which I didn't know? It was attention. Mm. My, my attention world lasted nine months. Hmm. I was mm-hmm. taking care of my brothers, mm-hmm. my mother. Oh, yeah. Like being the oldest have got their stories. And the main story that I know, mine is responsibility. I had it I had my whole life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Some of that's paid off, but I have to, I've had to polish up a lot of those edges over the years. That's for sure. And I'm, I just, I'm not as responsible as I used to be. Like, you know, I rent a beautiful home. I don't want to own a house. I don't want to fix shit. You know what I mean? I don't want to do yeah. nothing. You, 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 you're a rebel and you like freedom. I mean, you, you travel a lot oh, yeah. before a pandemic, before a pandemic. Yeah. 
And I've traveled a few times since then because I consider myself an essential service. I've done some family interventions up in Thunder Bay and been up to Fort Francis and up to Kenora a number of times. And I stayed, I stayed out of Manitoba just because you couldn't go there because you needed to have to isolate for 14 days. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I know when someone's done the work and I mm. know doing their work. It's, it's because of the questions they ask. You can mm. sense vulnerability. I just know when someone's being involved. I know it. Mm. And we have a long way to go. And I used to get really rattled about it's not happening fast enough. Mm -hmm. you know <clears throat> it, it is what it is. But I think until people can really get authentic about who they really are mm -hmm. and why they do what they do and why that it matters and why it matters. Cause that's a loaded question, Shade. Why, why that matters. When you ask people who are going, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a computer, I'm a computer guy. Mm -hmm. I'm a mom, I'm a dad. Really? That's who you are. Seriously? Well, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. Who are you? And if people are really honest, once I keep poking and poking, you know what they say? I don't know. That's honest right there. Because most people don't know who they are. They don't know what they don't know. And I think if we spend more time in that realm of I don't know what I don't know, we'd be mm -hmm. alone. I think suddenly we just got to shut up and just don't say nothing. Well, how do you think we are going to traverse through this, this pandemic coming out of it? What do, do you think, like, what do you think your work is going to be coming out of 2021? Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. It's already happening. I got more work to do that's just sitting there right now because until communities open up and government opens up. But one of the things that I think my work is going to be is really helping people reestablish relationships, for one, based on their experience in COVID, mm. which I've already started that already, which is just phenomenal work right now, um, to their career. Hmm. what they thought they stood for, they don't stand for anymore, you know? And three, my family intervention work is taken off, is, is off the charts right now because people are separating and people are, are thinking about it. And I've working with six couples right now. So look, don't even do anything right now. Just, just, do you like the person? Yeah, I do. Perfect. Just, mm -hmm. you don't have to love them. Forget about that. As for the kids, Parents are showing up in my coaching world. And, and when I get the opportunity, you don't even like being parents right now. Hmm. You don't even like, you don't even like your kids. So stop saying you do because mm. you don't. And that's okay. Yes. Yeah, own it. Like own it. Cause it's temporary as well, or it's a, or it's just a place. I mean, like it's, it's, it's where you are, where we are rather than a permanent location. You know what, Shane? You can't shift anything you don't acknowledge. But here's the other thing too, which was, which was a breakthrough in my work 20 years ago. When I realized the story of where I came from and how I manifested that into my world, I created all these worlds around it. I created a world around that story. But then all of a sudden I woke up one day and thinking, that's not who I am. That story, those stories aren't true. Here's the thing. And here's what's going on in the world, in, well, in the community right now. 
people are realizing because they're together with their family 24 seven, they're realizing this isn't, this isn't what I want. Hmm. They don't know that it's that underlying story. So here's the thing. When you start to do the hard work, you leave some people behind. Mm. I left lots behind, not having any idea that was going to happen. I had no clue. Right. No clue. But it's because it's because of you know what I was manifesting. And even to this day, like today, there's there's a manifestation of, of kindness and generosity in my own world, in my own home, and with my own community. And I own that. Mm-hmm. It's not all about what are you going to take from me or, you know, what bad things are going to happen. I'm successful because of the relationships I have. Do you think that so many people don't do the work because they're so afraid to hurt other people, like people that they're with, they they, they can't admit? Yeah, 100%. 100%. And you know what? I just was a couple last month. Here, here's the short version of the, the, the breakthrough conversation with the spouse. I've realized that I've made some choices here and I have to do some things differently. But here's the thing. It's got nothing to do with you. <laughs> that is just, that is brilliant. This person owned it. Mm. Instead of saying you, 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 you. It's got nothing to do with you, Johnny. Mm. Now, that can be an opening for Johnny to say, well, maybe I got some things to do too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those are great days. Mm. But when they get entangled, when stories get entangled, Shay, this is the problem. They can't break it free. My job is to untangle it. There's your story and there's yours. How do you think it got entangled? Mm-hmm. I've always felt that, you know, taking complete responsibility for your own behavior is always a key to growing oh. into more. But but I think sometimes we get so like we get trapped into, well, she did this to me and he did this to me. And like, how do you get out of that? How do you? You let that happen. But someone says to me. We always fight about that. I think you always do. Mm. You always do. So what's the payoff? Once you get people's act, then mm. you get the payoff. Oh, it's simple. Mm. And I love telling somebody, that's just a fucking act, man. They look at you. What? That's an act. You're playing it. You're a pro at it. And here's the payoff for you as well. You're just being a victim. That's the payoff. So people will all gather around you. Victims find victims, man. They 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 hang out together. Mm. Oh yeah, totally. You know, but when you, when you hang around people that know their stuff and they know their game, you don't get any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Is it entanglements? Absolutely not. I would say sick attracts sick. That's it. Period. Wow. Sick so, attracts sick. Yeah. Dysfunction attracts dysfunction. Totally. Hmm. I always tell people you're as sick as your secrets, man. Yeah. Totally. So what would you say, you know, a piece of advice, one or two pieces for someone who is 
struggling. I mean, they're not struggling, let's say financially, yeah. they're struggling mentally, they're struggling emotionally reach right out. now. Reach out, reach out. Reach, reach out to where though, reach out to who, reach out. Find someone that's gonna be straight with you. Mm. In my mastery work, there's a question that the participants gotta go home this one night and ask someone that they know will be straight with them. Mm. Here's the question. It's so simple. How do you see me? How do you see me? That's it. That's it. That's it. And you'd be surprised if the person they're asking is going to be straight, what they learn about themselves. Absolutely. It's a powerful question. How do you mm -hmm. see me? I check in with my, my coaches all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That and they'll be straight with me. And how do you know what the person has said is a, a, a truthful observation of you? How do you know? Because it's something I don't know. Ah. Now I've explored, I don't know what I don't know. And they just mm -hmm. pointed it out to me. I need to know what I don't know, man. Like I, I know stuff. Yes. And I know, yeah. what I, and I know what I don't know. But I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> There's another piece too that I think people get hung up on, Shay, is that people attach a lot of meaning to stuff. Right. And it means nothing. My whole past experience, hmm. even as of yesterday, means nothing today. It means nothing. Hmm. Interpretation and perception, we use it in our language all the time. It means nothing. It's not even true. Hmm. It's not even true. Well, my perception is this. Well, so what? Or my interpretation, so what? Hmm. It, it means nothing. It means nothing. Okay, so let me ask you this then. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, in terms of truth and reconciliation and like the process of healing. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes people don't have time. They talk about it, but don't always have the time to be with it. How do you see, like, what, how do you see healing as a process? Well, here's one thing. Here's one thing I want to share with you to start that. So it's getting around language. Mm. And you heard in government about the world of expectation. Mm. Here's what expectations are to me, Shay. Expectations are premeditated resentments. They're actually a lack of responsibility on my part. So one of the ways to open up the world of reconciliation and healing, mm. are you committed? Are you committed to it? Can you be your word on that? Mm. No one challenges people. Can you commit to that? That's the problem. Mm. It's all in the language, man. Mm. We let ourselves off the hook all day long because of the language we use. Expecting, I hate that word. I literally hate it means nothing to me. Hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Premeditated resentments. It's actually a lack of responsibility. So how do we start the process? And like I do in every group I sit with, so are you committed? Are you committed to doing this work with me today? Hmm. Will hmm. you allow me be, you know, to be totally straight with you when I need to be? Will you allow me to be straight? Oh, yeah. Are you sure about that? Because hmm. I will be straight. Because hmm. I think you're a fucking idiot. I'm going to tell you that. And you're going to be open to that. And give me the same thing back. Like, I, I tell you, you know what? Look at, say, 
I am known today as a badass facilitator. I don't jack people around because mm-hmm. you know what? I don't want people to suffer and they don't want to suffer either. They really don't. But yeah. when someone's face and say, come on, Johnny, fuck off, will you? Like pull up. Mm-hmm. Think that's true. You think that's real? That's crap to me. And they look at you like, really? Yeah. Mm. I tell people I took the long road so you can take the short one. Mm-hmm. Not the shortcut, the short road. Absolutely. Big time. Thank God I got people in my world from here to the West Coast. I'll be seeing one of my friends out there, Yvonne's her name. Just the most in your face caring person i know and i'm she's one of those gals that i check it so how do you see me today yvonne well you know going by your post are you doing okay you know what i mean and, <laughs> you know but she knows when i'm ranting yes yeah been with me since 1994 she knows my shit and you know what and i need those people i've only got a couple yeah they're there they're there that's like so, sacred space absolutely that- and if I'm going to ask the question, I'm prepared for the answer. Bring mm-hmm. it. I really, I really appreciate that about you. I, I'd like to have you back on the show. I think, I think people are going to find you very uh, fascinating and confronting and authentic and truthful. I'm you know, sure. Here's the part: when people stick around long enough, yeah, they know I care. Yes, I got a heart as big as this town, man. I know. I've no well, I've only known you for 10 years, but from the moment we met, we were very real with one another. And uh I, you know, and you were very real with, with my husband. And uh we we had we had uh some some great great times together. So I'm very grateful. People can always find me at msorp.com. You know, reach out to me. At least reach out and just talk to me. I'll share I'll share the link. Yeah. Listen, listen, brother, I'm so grateful that you were here today. I'm so thankful. And I'm glad that you are more than surviving in this pandemic. Thank you for joining the conversation. To learn more about Limitless and she and her corporate training, life coaching, keynote engagements, and her most recent podcast, go to www.coachshamarville.com.